This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. I'm, I'm honored to have you here today. I, I love to worship with the church, the body of Christ. It's one of the highlights of my week, and I, I say this sincerely. And then the other thing, it is a great, great honor for me to be able to preach the word to you. So uh, in saying that, if you need a Bible, once you get your hand up, we love the Word of God around here, okay? You're not going to get Reader's Digest, and you're not going to get my opinion. You're going to get the Word of God today. So get your hand up again if you would like a Bible. We will begin this morning in 1 Peter 1, then we'll go to Colossians 3. And i got a lot, a lot of scriptures, so i got to make some ground. So as our ushers are doing that, and you're turning to uh, 1 Peter 1, this is the finale of all this. We've been on this for a couple months now, it seems like. And so many times in our life, I believe if we're not careful, we live with regret and failure in areas of our life. And often that's because we never start certain things. And if I never start, I never finish. So today we're going to talk about learning to start some things and make some great decisions in our life and great choices. So we begin in 1 Peter 1, verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. The New Living says, think clearly. The way I think clearly is I begin to think in line with the Word of God. And be sober. That, that word sober there in the Amplified says to be morally alert. So he tells us immediately, think clearly and be morally alert. And rest or set your hope fully, not a little bit, but fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation or the revealing of Jesus Christ. So we're saved by grace. And he said, set your hope fully. Fully on the grace of God. And so again, when I begin to look at the grace of God, the Lord said there in 1 Corinthians 12 through the Apostle Paul, he said, my grace is sufficient for you even in your weakness. So again, something happens when I begin to, to ask God for his grace. Grace me, Father God. Keep reading here, verse 14. As obedient children, not as disobedient children, but as obedient children... Not conforming or molding yourselves to the former lust, your former lifestyle, as in your ignorance. Now, what does that mean there? Well, before any of us gave our heart to Jesus, we were literally ignorant of the Word of God. And so he said, don't, don't live back into your former lust. Don't go backwards in your, your way you li- used to live life. And so to a degree, he's telling us there, We've got to be totally and fully committed to the things of God. Let your life be marked by the things of God. Verse number 17. Or 16. 15. I'm way ahead. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. In all your manner of living. Now, in this passage here, Peter will mention the conduct that we're supposed to have on on several different occasions. And so when you see the the word conduct there, he's talking about a holiness. The word holy literally means to be be separated, to be totally uh, dedicated to the kingdom of God. And so when I become born again, there's a separation that takes place. Oftentimes, though, I believe this is Christian that we look at lukewarm as synonymous with being normal. But many times we confess or we say that Jesus is Lord, but our lifestyles are no different than the people who never confess Jesus as Lord. 
So you're going to see right here in this passage, my conduct and your conduct, it doesn't save me. But it's very big in God's eyes. He goes on to say in the next verse, be holy. Because that is is written, be holy for I am holy. And I, I realize that word can be intimidating. But I go back to the grace of God. See, I can't be holy out of my own, my own powers. But when I ask God to say, Lord, would you grace me to help me to live holy before you? Something begins to happen. God begins to work on the inside of us. I don't know if you've ever asked God to grace you with holiness. But this is what he's talking about. He goes on to say in verse 17. And if you call on the Father, who with our partiality... He judges according to each one's work. So the certainty that God will judge our works right here is another incentive for me and you to to live holy. Every one of us in this room, when we give our hearts to Jesus, there's going to come a day. And he said God's going to judge us for our works. The, The things we've done here on this earth. He goes on to say there and he says, Conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay while you're living here on earth in fear. Now, when he talks about fear, fear has a sense of reverence. He says a sense of respect. And so we're to live this life here as long as we're here in a sense of fear and respect to Father God. Knowing that you were not redeemed, you were not repurchased, you were not bought with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct. Received by the tradition from your fathers. And so what were we repurchased with? What were we bought with? Verse 19. But with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. As a lamb without blemish and without spot. So when you look at this here. There was a huge price paid for every one of us. You were bought with the blood of Jesus. Now you've heard me say this in this sense before. You can buy an automobile, 50, 60, 70,000. You could go out and buy a new home today, say a quarter of a million dollars or more maybe. There's a price tag on those things. But the blood of Jesus, it's priceless. And in this passage here, man, I, I need to, to, to respect and honor the blood of Jesus. So never forget who you are and whose you are. And as we turn to the book of Colossians chapter 3, remember this, my conduct to God is a big thing. So I ask you to turn to to Colossians chapter 3. And as you're turning to Colossians 3, I'm not going to have you go there with me, but I'm going to turn here to this passage in the message. This is Proverbs chapter 5 in the message translation. I encourage you to read the Proverbs on a daily basis. It's a book of wisdom and life. But this is uh, Proverbs chapter 5, verse 21. Mark well that God doesn't miss a move you make. God sees every move you make. He's aware of every step you take. The shadow of your sin will overtake you. And you will find yourself stumbling all over yourself in the dark. Death is the reward of an undisciplined life. And your foolish decisions trap you in a dead end. One translation referenced that dabbling is sin is as dangerous as walking in front of a bus. 
And so when we begin to look at this stuff again, God's wanting us to, to, to live in a certain way before Him. He wants us to live holy. Again, if I could live holy by my own means and my own power, I would already done I can't do that. But when I ask God's grace to come in and say, Lord, I, I don't want to sin. I don't want to live in ways that I know disappoint you. And understand this, God loves us. That's why God put in the clause there, if you'll confess your sins before me, I'm faithful and just to forgive you. The reason God does that is because he wants us to live right before him. And sin has an effect on each one of us that literally deteriorates us. Now we begin here in Colossians 3, verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, you know when you choose to give your heart to Jesus, you become the elect of God. You've become chosen of God. And he, he tells us two things about that. There is, as the elect of God, we are holy and beloved. He says, put on. Put on right here. The Amplified says, behavior that's marked by. And so when we put on, he's literally telling us, clothe yourself in these things. So when he tells me to put on something, that's a decision you and me make. How many of you today, when you got ready to come to church... That your clothes just mysteriously appeared on your bed. No, what happened is we went into a closet or a room and decided, that's what I'm going to put on. Well, right here, he tells us, put some things on. Now, look what he tells me and you to put on. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility and meekness, which are the opposite of pride and arrogance, long-suffering, patience. Bearing with one another, forgiving in one another. And if anyone has complained against another, even as for Christ forgave you, you also must do. Now what he's referencing there for me and you to put on is Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The nine fruit of the spirit, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, self-control, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and meekness. So he tells me and you, make it a choice to put on the fruit of the spirit. But he ends with something very interesting, and he says, forgive. Do you know forgiveness isn't a feeling? Forgiveness is a choice. And Jesus himself said, through here the scripture, he said, you must do. You must do. So what would happen if we begin to say, Father God, I welcome your grace with the fruit of your spirit. I welcome your grace to help me forgive. To literally walk in forgiveness. Keep reading, verse 14. But above all these, put on a choice of love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule as a referee or an umpire in your hearts. Why would he say that? Because our hearts are the point of conflict within every one of us. But he said, let the peace of God rule you. He goes on to say, to which also you were called in one body... And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. The Amplified says, let the word of God have its home in you. Richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual song, Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now I'm going to read verse 17, but I really want you to mark this, okay? This is one of the, the main verses I believe that we really need to get. It's kind of like John 3.16 to me. 
Really get this in you. Now listen real close to what it says. And whatever you do. I know some of you were out late last night. So look at your neighbor and say, whatever. Whatever. Wake up. And whatever you do. In word. What you say. Or deed. What you do. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. He's telling me and you, everything I do, I need to do it as a representative of Jesus. Now, just for a brief minute here, let's translate this into our social media society. Everything that I post, everything that I tweet, everything that I put on Snapchat, do I do it in the name of Jesus? See, it's very easy for me to let loose online. And oftentimes the things we say online, it's nothing more than words that are being walked out through our fingers or our thumbs, our voices. Proverbs 15.2 says, The fool who belches out foolishness. So again, I can get in trouble with social media. So when I read what he's telling me there, everything I do, it matters to God. Really, when I look at this, this has to do with my conduct. So as the words I'm tweeting, I'm posting, however I'm doing that, is it positive or is it negative? Does it build up or does it tear down? Is it encouraging or is it critical? So literally what he's telling me here. Do my online posts reveal that I'm a Christian in any way? So he gives us a warning. Do I act or respond in a way that wouldn't give Jesus glory? Do I compromise? This is interesting stuff that he's talking about. So again, one of the highlights today. Everything I do in word or deed. Do I do it in the name of Jesus? Does it bring Jesus great honor and glory? Go with me back to the book of James, chapter 1. James, chapter 1. And so what I've done here this morning is I've given you some thoughts of Peter. I've given you some thoughts of, of Paul. And I'm going to give you a couple more of James because this is a real pa important passage here. We've got to understand this. James, chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed. You know that word blessed means happy, fortunate, and to be envied. Blessed is the man who endures or patiently endures temptation. Temptation is literally an enticement to sin for every one of us. Verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. So this tells me right here, God's incapable to tempt me, all right? But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. Now think about what was just said. The way I'm drawn away with temptations is through my own desires. How does a desire work? Well, normally a desire is birthed in my thought life. And the more I think on something, the more I dwell on something, the higher the possibility comes that I'm going to act on that. 
Let me give you a little illustration right now. If I begin to describe a cinnamon roll with icing that is real hot and is beginning to melt and ooze down on that, every one of us in our mind, when I say a cinnamon roll, we get a certain picture of that cinnamon roll in our minds. True? Some of you are picturing that right now. Actually, some of you are slobbering right now. So the longer I dwell on that thought, the possibility of after church, you say, honey, we got to go get a cinnamon roll. So this is literally how things begin to happen in our lives right here. And so he said, we're tempted away by our own desires. Now, he goes on to give us a great next word. This is James. And he says, we're enticed. That the, the Greek word enticed is a fishing term. Now, the Amplified helped me see that. It says, we're baited by his own evil desires. Now, you didn't know you were going to come to church today and get fishing principles 101. But that's what we're going to do here for a second. So if the word enticement means baited, what begins to happen with bait is you have a lure or some type of bait. You throw that in the river or the lake, and that lure or bait goes right before the prey or whatever you're trying to catch its eyes. But the bait disguises the hook. And so what literally happens with the fish is he's drawn to the bait, but he never sees the end result. I got you. I got you. So in the thinking of that, when he said we're drawn away by our own desires and are enticed, how many have noticed this with sin? Sin never gives you the final outcome. Sin is pleasant just for a moment, but the bait of that ultimately is that, and he reels us in. And so this is what he's talking about. Now, look what he says. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. The the desires respond to this outward manifestation, this enticement, and sin is birth. But look how he ends. He says, listen, do not be misled. Don't be thrown off course, my beloved brethren. So you know what he's telling me and you? Don't take... These, these temptations of, of evil desires, my own desires, don't take them lightly. Understand, there's a hook behind them. And it's to get me off course. And so every one of us in this room, I can be reeled in by my own desires because I give over to them. And so this is what the Apostle Paul is talking about. Now, here for just a minute, let, let, me, let me hit... Hit you with some other areas that we're going to go this morning. I believe this, that everything great starts with small steps. And so with saying that, am I willing to do the small things that the average person won't do? Zechariah 4.10 says, don't despise the day of small things. So again, the thought in you right now. Great things happen or birth out of small things. Go with me to the book of Daniel, chapter 6. Now, you just got two more passages to go, so we've got about two hours left. You visitors, I'm just kidding, okay? Daniel, chapter 6. As, as you're turning to Daniel 6, 
Are you willing to take the small steps? The reason that's so big is because in Luke 16.10, the Lord Jesus himself said, if you're not faithful in the little, you'll never be faithful with much. So there's a progression. If I'm not faithful with the little things I start, I'll never get to much. Now, I believe with all my heart you're going to learn something from these passages here. Begin with me in Luke 6, not Luke, Daniel 6 verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps. Now, satraps were high-ranking officials. To be over the whole kingdom. And over these three, he put three governors of whom Daniel was one. That the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel, he distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to the setting him over the whole realm. So we begin to see kind of how the pyramid worked. That he had these 120. And over the 120 was these three. And over the three was this one man, Dan, man named Daniel. Now oftentimes when we, get, when we see people get put into positions of authority like that. We have the thought. Oh he was just lucky. He was at the right place at the right time. He knew the boss. He got a break. I never get a break. But there's two phrases in that verse that stick out. The first one it says, he distinguished himself. In other words, he was different than everybody else. And then it said he had an excellent spirit. I like to flip that around and say, he had a spirit of excellence. So in your life and my life, do I live with the spirit of excellence? Or there are some areas in my life that I'm really pretty sloppy. I'm pretty average. I'm pretty uh, mediocre. And so we see something different right here in this guy named Daniel. Verse 5. 4. So the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. So what they begin to see is this guy named Daniel, he was honest, he was trustworthy, he was dependable, and he was responsible. They try to go after him everywhere, and they can't get him. Verse 5. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So you know what they do now? They go after his steadfast commitment to God. Again, I highlight this because if you serve God, you're going to be persecuted. You serve God, you're going to be criticized. The only way you'll never be criticized for the kingdom of God is by doing nothing. Understand this, that when you serve God, you're going to face some opposition. So these governors and satraps, they thronged before the king and they said to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the ministrators, the satraps, the counselors, advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. So now we see here there's consequences that if I serve any other gods or any other man besides this king, I'm going to get thrown in the lion's den. 
Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. So all the officials knew Daniel's distinctive characteristics could also be in his point of vulnerability. Watch verse 10. We're going to really highlight this. Now, when Daniel knew or learned that the writing of the decree was signed, he went home. And he kicked back on the lazy boy and he watched Sports Center. That's not what it says. And in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and he prayed and gave thanks before his God. Now, when I look what he did right here. This was a non-negotiable part of his life. He knew the consequences if he did this. And so if you note here, Daniel doesn't go online and begin to post, not fair, they're all after me, they're all against me. And when Daniel goes back to his house with the windows wide open, It said he got on his knees. And he began to pray. And he began to thank God. And note here, he doesn't get on Snapchat. He doesn't do a selfie of himself and have his Bible in his arm. Man of prayer, look at me. No, I don't believe he was concerned about other people's opinions. And I don't believe he was caught up with the fruit of insecurity by having to do those things. I believe there's some sincerity in what this guy did because it said he did this three times a day. And look at the end of verse 10 and it says, as was his custom since early days. Now, I don't know how far back I looked and I looked and I looked and I couldn't find how young he is when he did it. But this guy began to make this a point or a habit in his life in early years. And he said, no matter what the consequences are, I'm not going to quit doing these things that I've done my whole life. And so literally by David or Daniel learning to get on his knees and pray like he did, it moved him toward his future and his entire life. So oftentimes we look over the story. We skim past stuff like this. And when now you begin to see the reason he was put in this position of leadership is because he would not compromise the things of God. So when you look at this right here, I believe this started out as a small decision in his life. Don't... For, don't, don't, don't uh, Get concerned about the small things in life. No, I think we do. We knew to get concerned about the things because he said, don't despise the day of small beginnings. And so when this happened with Daniel, he didn't go online. He didn't get on the phone. He didn't text, oh, son of a bendigo, we better start praying. He said, I'm going to call out to God. As was his custom. So as I looked at this right here, I thought, am I facing some lions today? Do you face persecution at work or school for being godly? Because when you look at this one man, 
He is a Matthew 7, 13, and 14 man. And what that is, he lived on the narrow road. And remember the, the, the scriptures Jesus said in Matthew 7. He said, the narrow road is a difficult road, but it leads to life. And there are only a few on it. And so even running the risk to get thrown into the lion's den, he didn't become average. He didn't become mediocre. He stood with that one thing. That one discipline. Now I'm going to end with this. Go with me to the book of 1 Kings chapter 20. 1 Kings chapter 20. If you've been around me very long for many years, you've heard me say this frequently. Every sacrifice is based on preference. Every sacrifice is based on preference. And oftentimes, the problems we're going through, those problems are my promotion. But they're not easy. Doesn't make it easy. And so again, Daniel wasn't exempt from the lion's den, and we're not either. But you know the rest of the story. He got thrown in, and God bailed him out. Now, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase some of this. I encourage you to read this in your own time. I'm going to start in 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 12. And it happened when Ben-Hadad... Now, who's Ben-Hadad? He was an ungodly Syrian king who was going to attack the Israelites. So it says, And it happened when Ben-Hadad heard this message, as he and the kings were drinking at the command post, that he said to his servants, Get ready. And they got ready to attack the city. Suddenly, a prophet approached Ahab, the king of Israel. Now, Ahab was the king of Israel. He was a very ungodly king, but he was the king. So this prophet approaches him and he said, Thus says the Lord, Have you seen all this great multitude? Question mark. Have you seen all this great multitude? In other words, King, do you realize what you're fixing to face? It doesn't look good. And so I'm sure this king named Ahab is saying, I got a picture of what we're fixing to face. He goes on to say next, Behold, I will deliver it into your hand today, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Now Ahab is fixing to face a battle that didn't look very good in the natural. And now this prophet tells him, I want to change your picture. I want to change your circumstances. How many in here would like some of the pictures of your life to be changed? I would. How many of you like some of the stories of your life up to this point? How would you like them to be changed? I would. So keep watching here. I will deliver it into your hand today, and you shall know that I am the Lord. In other words, what I'm fixing to do, there will be no other explanation, but this is God. So Ahab said, by whom? Ahab scratching his head and said, man, I just don't see that. I don't get it. By whom? I know what we have as far as soldiers, and I know what's fixing to come against us. How many of you have had so many issues in certain areas of your life, you look and you think, by whom, God? How could that happen? So he says, by whom? And he said, thus says the Lord, by the young leaders of the provinces. Now, if you read this passage, there wasn't very many of them. And I'm sure he's looking and think, 
Yeah, I've seen them little knuckleheads in training. That doesn't put a lot of hope in me either. Then Ahab said, who will set the battle in order? And he answered, you. And he answered, you. You know what God tells him? You start it and I'll finish it. But you're going to have to start it. And as I read that, this is the thought I begin to get. How many of you in here have just, just one area right now that you know in your life and in your heart? I need help in, in, in disciplining myself to do that. Just one area, just one area. Where you know the Lord has, has dealt with your heart and He's dealt with your heart to saying, come on up. If you'll make that step, I'll grace you. See, again, oftentimes we get so overweighed and overburdened by all the things we got to do. But again, just one thing. Don't despise the day of small people. But just one thing. And what would that look like? And instead of running to TV, instead of running to social media, if I said, Father God, begin to grace me where I run to you. Remember, that was Daniel's custom. He had to start doing that at some time in his life. And because he made the discipline, the decision, the habit to do it, it carried him through his entire life. You know, this morning I, I, I was in here early and the Lord just begins to put thoughts in my, my heart and my mind at times. And If I ask many of you right now, how are you doing? You'd say, I'm tired. I'm busy. Ooh, I'm, I'm stressed out. In Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, the Lord Jesus said, All you who labor and are heavy laden, heavy burdened, overwhelmed, come to me and I'll give you rest. But oftentimes, when we're overburdened, wore out, stressed out, what do we do? I need a vacation. We run to the movie to escape. And I'm not against stuff like that. I'm not saying those are wrong things. But what would happen if we literally took Jesus at his word and he said, come to me. Just come fellowship with me. Just come hang out with me. Just slow down enough again to get in my presence. And if I, I made that one decision to say, I got to start hanging out with Jesus. You know, in Psalm 62, he said, When your heart is overwhelmed, I'll lead you to the rock that's higher than I. You know, I believe there's an invitation today. The Lord said, I, I don't want you overwhelmed this, this, this life. What are the lion's dens you're facing right now? Let's run to Jesus. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.